the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And it's another episode of Joe Talk, that's me, Joe Serpico. And on the other side of my mic is the man, Joe Broback. Is your uh, phone alarm going to go off again? Are we going to have to deal with that nonsense? You know, I try to do us both a favor by doing this earlier in the day and see what happens. Man, I can't do anything right for you, can I? That's all right. I got to find something to pick on you for. I'm surprised this is your t- your topic to get after me as. I, I was kind of waiting for you maybe a little bit later to come at me for some of those video game rankings or something like that later. No, man, I liked it. All right, good. It was, it was just different, you know? It's yeah, just, I tried. Uh, I tried. Yeah, it's a good thing. Good to switch things up. It was uh, fun to write about video games and college football, too. A little bit of a mix. It's a great combination. It'll be even better when the game comes out. So if you haven't seen it, I put out a list of what would be the prestige rankings. I don't know if you remember the game, the video game it used to be. Every team was ranked by a number of stars. Temple was always bad. That's why I could vividly remember that. So I would always take them to be the winners of the national championship. Because no other way it's going to happen. But yeah, all right, was, that's not. It the... was fun to read. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we're going to see if anybody. Uh, hopefully, I could see that go around the whole country. That would be kind of cool for everybody to do that. That would be. And cool. then and then see what like a, a, an entire list would look like. Was kind of hoping the motherboard saw it, but may, maybe they will. Who knows? But anyways, that's 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 not what we're here to talk about because we could talk this video game for hours and hours and hours. Point of this show is we're going to talk about Tulsa's football. We're going to continue on with our weekly previews of every team in the conference. And this week is the Golden Hurricane. And they're coming off a 3-9 and nine season of Philip Montgomery. And after a pretty solid season, what's it, now three years ago, they've had five wins the last two years. Montgomery's combined record is 21 and 29 in the five years there and i think you and i can both agree that this year is a big year for him because this could be the one that maybe potentially puts him out if he can't show any improvement this year but the schedule is not so pretty either so the last five years ecu went 22 and 39 tulsa played one more game than them what do you think the record was in the last five years. I just said it. 21 and 29. No, 23 and 39. 39? Did I miss a number? I did I did five years. I must have miswrote some numbers down here. Can you not do math? I Can guess I not. Can I not do math? I think it's you, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Three, five, 15. It might be you. Or it might be me, actually. 21, not 23. 19, 22, Did I write down the wrong? Did I write down the wrong? I wrote down the wrong number then. Woo! 23 and 39. One win better than ECU. How bad is that? Yeah, it's not, uh, not too good, to say the least. Well, and I was going to say that, I was going to ask you, why, why do we, you know, last year we talked about Scotty Montgomery being on the hot seat and Phillips was hot but not at nearly as hot but i guess that's what winning 10 10 games in one season will do for his bias in time but 
I think that time is up now. I can't argue that just because, I mean, like I just said, five wins in two years, that's that's not going to get it done anywhere. You know, most country, or most jobs around the country aren't going to be satisfied with that. But, I mean, we kind of talked about it a lot last year, and it almost looks like it might be the same deal coming in this year, but they seem to be constantly riddled with injuries, and then it's the turnover after turnover a turnover at quarterback. I mean, a couple of years ago it was Chad President, then it moved to Luke Skipper, then this past year it's with Seth Boomer, and none of those guys really seemed to be the answer. They all, I mean, honestly, they all seem kind of like plugs until I guess maybe now that they're hoping Baylor transfers Zach Smith because that guy for them. I don't know what your opinion on that is. Well, they obviously, you and I talked about it last year. Is they they need a quarterback? That's the not that that solves all of their problems because now their offensive line loses two key players, but it, it's it's coming down to quarterback play. And Boomer was very very bad last year. So yeah, because their their running game. And I know you and I are both kind of big on both backs that they had there. I believe both kids are coming back too this year, right? Corey Taylor and Shamari Brooks are both yep, back, right? Yep. Yeah. So they have talent as far as the skill position players go. I mean, they lost even Justin Hobbs, but you know they're kind of big on Keelan Stokes and, and Keenan Johnson, their receiver. So even though they're losing Hobbs, they do have a little bit of playmaking ability on offense. It's just like we've talked about. And I guess they're really hoping that Zach Smith's the guy. Because uh, did Skipper retired, right? If I remember correctly, or was the so president that retired? He did, but then Bill wrote his preview and said that Skipper's status was up in the air. So I, th- I think he right now he's technically retired, but sounds like he might come back. I don't know why you'd come back to Tulsa because it sounds like they were. I mean, Boomer took his job, and mm-hmm. Smith is probably well. We don't know, I guess, but. Smith might take Boomer's job. So it seems that he's the odd man out. So I would be surprised if he returns and then plays for Tulsa. I figure he probably will transfer. Yeah, I kind of assumed that he would probably transfer as well. It's probably the community college level or something like that, at least to get to finish out what's left of his college career. I don't think he has a year left. I think so. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's going to sit out and go to a, a fbs program at least i wouldn't think not so yeah it seems like the job is zach smith uh, zach smith's for the taking just based on the fact that from what we did see from boomer last year he only completed 51 percent of his passes and it's not like he really gives you much on the ground either so it it really limits what that team could do on offense and i think that's really why they're they're i think they're holding out hope that zach smith could just run away with this job because otherwise i think Philip Montgomery's in for another rough season because teams are just going to stack the box otherwise against Taylor and Brooks. We should also clarify we're talking about the good Zach Smith, too. The one that plays quarterback, not the uh, one that's trying to tear down Ohio State. Tore down Ohio State? He got yeah, well, got one guy out of there already. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay, cool. obviously more of a runner, but... What, what that was that one game? What, what was that one game? He went like eight of twenty-one, something like that. You and I talked about. It. He had like fifty yards passing or something. Yeah, like that, just... that that game was atrocious. I yeah. can't remember exactly what it was again, but I do remember talking about that game because just how bad it was. And I think that's the game that really, really sticks out in both of our heads as to why 
at least me, I don't think he's the man for the job. So I, that's why I think they're really, really hopeful that Smith is the guy. Well, if anything, it's just it sparks uh, competition that pushes Boomer to be better. So even if even if Smith doesn't win the job, then he's at least got somebody that's gonna that's gonna push or he's gonna push somebody and make that kid better. I mean, Boomer was a freshman last year too, so obviously that doesn't help getting thrown in there, and especially with how it. Well, I don't know. So here's the thing. They only lost to Texas by seven in their first, their second game, and then they lost to Arkansas State by nine. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if their season goes any differently. Well, obviously the record would be better, but those two games were so close that it could have been a different season, but they, yeah, they, a one and seven start is not obviously what you want. And when you have to switch to a fresh, a true freshman quarterback, then your season's not looking too good. But if you're in Montgomery's shoes, you you can't afford to really have someone pushing Boomer, don't you think? Like, his job is on the line, basically, if Boomer doesn't perform. Well, either and, quarterback. Well, I'd be either – well, touche. But I, I feel like, you know, if, if we go into this year and Boomer is the guy, and then I think you, I, and then the rest of the conference – is already probably looking at Montgomery's seat on fire because we saw that already. And I, I understand your argument that it was a freshman last year, but if you're Montgomery, you can't really afford for him to grow these first couple games of the year because, I mean, we'll really dive into it later, but their schedule is just so, so rough, especially in the first half of the year. And then when you're a team, I mean, you kind of brought up some of it last year, but they lost seven in a row at one point and Five of those nine losses altogether were by 10 points or less. And I feel like that's what me and you talked about all the time last year. They were consistently in close games, but they could never actually get it done. I think, what is the other? Yeah, they led in the fourth quarter going into th- into those three of those losses too. Mm-hmm. So they were always sticking it out. And I guess this is the kind of the point here where we can turn it over to with their defense because their defense was very solid last year. I think that's what – kept them into a lot of those ball games to make up for some of that pretty shoddy quarterback play. Yeah, and well, so I guess go, going off of with that, close losses are a usually a good indicator of how a team will do the next year. So if you have a ton of close losses, typically you're going to do better the next year, which it's not hard to build on a 3 and 9 year. But I'll ask you this, what's the number that Montgomery has to hit to keep his job. Uh, well, I, I guess we just kind of got to go through the schedule a little bit earlier than I thought we were going to do it. But well, because... don't, don't go through the schedule. Just like what number if he goes. So he his he is. All right, let's just put year. it this. Let's put it this way. All right, I, uh, Bill Connolly has them projected at four point seven wins. I don't. I don't know. Four wins is one more win really enough to keep his job? I don't know. I, I don't I'd say no. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like I don't know. So I think they almost have to go bowling for him to maybe stick around. I, I don't even think five. You know, five wins. I, I don't know about that either. Well, when you go from so this is his fifth year, he won six games the first year and ten the second, and then he goes two and three. The next two years, so I feel like he has to. 
five yeah, because now because well, now we're getting to the point where it is his entire recruiting classes as well now right right so we're getting to the point now where you know these are your guys your recruits you, basically everything you went out and you know bought the groceries as parcells used to say so now it's up to you to perform and then if you're not going to do that this year yeah i i can't argue that that it, it needs to be at least a 500 team at the end of the season it'll be really interesting if they go five and seven which we'll argue that later but if they go five and seven that's kind of that line almost because yeah you got better you got five wins from three the last year and two the year before but he also didn't go to a bowl game again. So, and then I mean, simple math is, you know, in three years you only got ten wins, and that's what you got in your second year with somebody else's players. Right. Might I add? So, you know, that's the other thing you got to think about if you're the um, administration up there. But then it could also be a case that if you're Tulsa, you know, who's going to be really beating down the door for that job? So maybe they just stick it out with Montgomery for that sixth season and see what happens. It is nice that he's getting this time because typically we see year three, if they don't produce, they're out. So, it's Which kinda... I am not a big fan of. I think you should give them at least a full cycle, like I just said, or even a couple extras, like I'm saying, I guess, in this case here. But it is a little bit different when... You know, two and three loss teams, you know, there's only so much leeway you can have. Now, the, the argument we can make is, we just talked about it seconds ago, was we know these guys are playing their tails off for them because they're in all these close games. It's not like they're getting blown out of the water. I mean, that you mentioned that Texas game. They, they, they held their own in that Texas game. Yeah, they, a, well, they, they showed, it was the, it was more of a second half game for them they were it was like 21-7 at halftime and then texas scored i think to go up 28-7 to and then tulsa made it a game late but yeah they, it's, it's a game they could have won and they didn't but the other game they should have won is when they played usf mm-hmm. that was the other one i was going to touch yep that was the other game i was going to touch on too but that's even, an... even tulane lost by seven navy they lost by eight the Arkansas State game I mentioned before, they lost by nine. They really didn't get blown out except for the Arkansas game and the Memphis game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't – otherwise it was, you know. And I think that Tulsa game against USF that you mentioned, I think that's when you and I really could tell that USF was starting to go on the downtrend. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, we thought that year, the year before, so we were, we were kind of on that train early, but, but yeah, that was, that was definitely a game where you could see that. And I think, was that the game that I'm going to look it up? I have it right here. That was, is that the game we were talking about with Boomer? Yes. Oh yeah. So he went six of 21 for 79 Mm -hmm. yards passing and a touchdown. And they get anything from that game, from him in that game, and they beat USF. And, and then USF really would have been down, downhill last year. Right. But then, you know, they close it out on a positive note, too, last year with the, you know, you took SMU out of a bowl game in a game where technically, I mean, Tulsa really had nothing to play for there. Like, they could have just laid down, let SMU get an easy 
win to go bowling. No, they they shattered that dream for them. Right. Yep. But I I do want to give kudos more kudos to the defense. You know, a guy that I don't think we talked about enough last year. Then you look at the numbers he had last year; it was just insane. It'd be Cooper Emiston. I mean, I was just looking at his numbers; they're absurd. Well, 113th. The other guy for them, Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, yeah, another guy with crazy numbers too. But 113 tackles, seven and a half for a loss, four interceptions, and th- three fumble recoveries, three forced fumbles. This is all one dude for Edmiston. And the number that I wrote down here, seven of the team's 20 takeaways he had. This guy's playing linebacker too. He's just all over the field. Which they needed that because the year before – it was McKinley Whitfield who was leading the teams in like every statistical category at safety. You don't want your safety doing that. I mean, if he's if he's a freak athlete, then yeah, but it definitely wasn't the case. And we saw that with how bad Tulsa's defense was. So it was nice to see somebody in the front seven step up, and that they had two guys actually step up. Well, Emerson had a solid year in the year prior as well. His sophomore. Well, year. Yeah. Right. Right. But no, uh, you mentioned uh, Whitfield is going to be uh, a big loss for them. He he did a lot for them in the secondary, and you know, for a division that we've talked about, or excuse me, a conference that we've talked about that loves to air it out. You know, this team only allowed 175 yards through the air last year, and that goes back to talk about you know their defense keeping them in games because they got nothing, and I mean almost nothing from their defensive line. I mean their defensive line was pretty terrible last year yeah that's obviously that doesn't help well that i mean that's almost honestly that's kind of impressive the numbers the passing yards allowed considering the fact that they weren't really getting to the quarterback too i think that makes it even more impressive for the secondary yeah yeah oh yeah it's it's it puts a lot of stress on them when they don't get any help up front and typically which we saw two years ago with them that means that Opposing offenses just do whatever they want. Yeah, the, I mean, the best way to attack Tulsa last year was on the ground, as as I said, based on the numbers. And then coming in this year, ten of their starters on defense are back. The, the only one that's gone will be Whitfield. So I guess there is obviously group or room to grow for this defense. But again, I guess this is the time we really just go through through this kind of the schedule here. But just because it, it's it's daunting to say the least. At least his first, I would say, the first four weeks. I mean, you got you got one cupcake in there, but then you're uh, the rest of your out of conference schedule just looks like a bunch of beatdowns potentially. I was going to ask if you think this is the toughest schedule in the AAC, but obviously we don't have the schedules. And two, I'm pretty sure Houston's is more difficult. I would have to look at Houston's when we get to theirs because. Well, Houston, Houston goes, they have week Oklahoma, week, like, Washington State, and North Texas in their non-conference. So that's already tougher than Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and Wyoming. No arguments with that. So, But this is this is brutal. So. I mean, this ranks up there just because of, I mean, they don't even look out inside the conference either. Like, they play pretty much all the heavy hitters as well. Right. I guess the one thing, if you want to say, like, the the nice thing is they get Memphis, UCF, and Houston at home. Not that that really matters, but at least you, you're not going on the road and getting killed. Yeah, well, they don't get the, you know, they don't get a UConn, but then at the same time, I mean, at this point, you, 
how much better are they than UConn? You know, it's like, same, I, I think we could put them on the same scale as uh, ECU heading into this year, really. Actually, I would say less than that, but I would say, I guess, in years past, let's say. Yeah. In the sense of that, you know, coming in, I mean, if you're going based by the schedule, none of them are easy. Because even, okay, even your cupcake, it, uh, I wouldn't even call it the cupcake inside the conference, but it's Navy. It's either at Tulane, at SMU, or at home against Navy. Like, which which one of those is really an easy one? Well, and they play it, yeah, at ECU, too, at the end of the year. Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, they don't – none of them really play out to their favor whatsoever. No. and I, Well, and I think that's really going to tell us what uh, what Philip Montgomery's status is at the end of the year. Like, we're going to know, I think, for sure, just because there are teams that they – should beat if we're going to see any improvement and if they're going to make a bowl game they gotta they that's i don't know how we're going to find six wins to be completely honest even if we're trying but i mean we're going to be stretching on some of these to get six i'm surprised four i mean the only one there's only one there's really only one that you could just be like okay that should be a win and that's the game the second game of the year against san jose state but, even that, who knows? Ex- well, yeah, exactly. Like, who knows what they're doing? It's not like I'm paying attention to what's going on out there all that often. Yeah. But at the same time, and then I mean, then you go through the list. That the next easiest is Navy. You know, and we always talk about just how hard it is to beat Navy. It doesn't matter where you're playing them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, let's. I guess let's just go week by week here and just bang them out real quick. So the. First week is at Michigan State. Ugh. You know, it's, I mean, I, this is a game. If yeah, if, if this is a game. If you're Michigan State and you have some um, position battles that you need to kind of figure out there, you know, you can kind of uh, figure some things out against a team like Tulsa here because Michigan State should have no problem with Tulsa whatsoever. Well, yeah, they str- they almost lost to Utah State to begin the year last year. Not saying Utah State and Tulsa are the same. Cause I was not. I was going to say Utah State was actually a pretty solid team last yeah. year. But yeah, it, there's they should be able to figure things out on their uh, on this first week and Tulsa's. I, it could be a game where Tulsa hangs in there, but I'd, I. I mean, don't know. even I mean, on the flip side of what I said about Michigan State, this could be also be the same thing for Tulsa. We might see both quarterbacks on this game because they don't know what they're doing yet. Right. So it could go either way there. We'll probably see both quarterbacks either way. Either because yeah, I, one, we're, they're they're putting they don't have a starter yet, and they just want to see both. Or two, they're getting killed, so the backup goes in. Yes. Yep. I agree with that. All right. Then the following week in week two would be that San Jose State game that we talked about. That we I think we both agree is their easiest game on the schedule, unless you're thinking one of the other ones down the road. No, I, I know. I, I know. Bill. I know. Bill has threw me off a little bit. But he has uh, the winning percentage against Navy higher than the game against San Jose State, which kind of shocked me a little bit. But I, I personally think San Jose State will be the worst team on the schedule for yeah, Tulsa. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Either that or ECU would be the. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that as well. And even I mean, and you're hype on ECU this year too, so I feel like that pains you to say that. Well, yeah, I I think both Tulsa and ECU will be better. But the problem is that, like, there's only so many wins to go around. So, I don't know. I think ECU might be better than Tulsa this year, just because this schedule is so awful. 
Like ECU's yeah. schedule is not nearly as hard. No, because they they do have, but they have a Tulsa, they have UConn on there, and they I, I know we just did that last week, but I can't remember the rest of their schedule well, already. So but, have, but it does they turn have out much two better. FCS teams too. That's what it was. Yes, the two FCS teams. That's what it was. And Old yeah. Dominion and UConn. Yeah, it's it's much easier. So it does, I guess it's maybe not necessarily that they're a better team. It's just they have a easier schedule. Following week is a home game against Oklahoma State. Oof. Yeah, another game where it's, it just doesn't look like it's going to be too pretty for Tulsa. And I guess this is the point where I mentioned that you know, there was some recent news for Tulsa, and I, I think it's good for the American as a whole, to be honest, is uh, Oklahoma State and Tulsa, an eight-year home-and-home series from 2024 to 2031. I know that's... Uh, a couple of years away, but I, I do think that that is good for all parties. I think it's good for Tulsa, and I think it's good for the conference as well. I yeah, think it's glad, bad. I'm glad you I, said that. I think that. it's bad for the, the Big 12, if you ask me. Well, yeah. I'm glad you said that, though, because we're going to get off on a tangent here. But what – so the the whole USF, who did they just take a two-for-one with? Was that Texas? I thought it was one of the Florida schools. I don't remember what. The... I think it was either Florida or Florida State where they took the two for one, and then UCF is giving them a hard time because they're like, you know, don't go two for ones, make it, you know, make it even, home oh, and home. with Florida and Miami. Yeah. Okay. So, real quick with that. Okay, it's not gonna be real quick. But whatever. So, you're in a conference that's trying to gain respect. You think you deserve it, and that's fine, but you don't control who gives you what respect you give or what level of respect you get. And for UCF to say, we're not going to use, we're not going to take any two for ones because that's not a fair deal. Nobody in Power Five Conference cares. They're not going to schedule one for one because I hate to break it to you, but they're in charge. They get to determine right now. What you get and what you don't get. Like, you don't get to warrant that. You're the underdog. So right now, you do have to take these two-for-ones because that's the only way you're going to move up. And to say that a team doing that, which you and I hack on USF a lot. We give them a lot of crap, but they're at least doing something with their schedule. And UCF still has all these FCS teams that they're beaten up on, and it. They're the ones saying, oh, we deserve to be recognized and get more respect than we're actually getting. Well, you still have to do something about it. You can't just sit there and say, no, we don't We don't want a two-for-one because we don't deserve that. Well, then no one's going to schedule you because no one's gonna, at, the people who hold all the power aren't going to give you a one-for-one. One. And you can cry about it all you want, but you're not going to get it. Now, to play devil's advocate there, doesn't this eight-year deal that Tulsa just got with Oklahoma State help them out, help UCF out with their arguments? They say, hey, I can sk- if, if one squad schedule eight years against a team, I, I believe Oklahoma State and Tulsa have some kind of rivalry that dates back years and years and years. I'm assuming so just based on geography. So why can't UCF lock up a similar deal with one of the other Florida schools down there, whether it be Miami Florida, Florida State. Because those schools have more history and more power than Oklahoma State does. 
Like, not to, not trying to bash Oklahoma State and saying they're bad, but scheduling Florida versus scheduling Oklahoma State is much different. And I guess it's not what. So it's eight years, and they just they flip each year who's home, or is, are there neutral site games? I didn't dive. In. No, I would just assume it's a flip the entire time. I I don't think it said anything otherwise because I did read that you know how much of a boost this would be for Tulsa's ticket sales. You know, it gets them it gets them to actually charge a little bit more because they have this prime prime time game, I guess, for lack of better words, on their schedule every year and you know that the stadium is going to be filled with Oklahoma State fans when that game comes up in Tulsa right so I, I guess well maybe UCF needs to get Tulsa whoever's doing Tulsa scheduling on their side because but it's like I said like scheduling Miami and Florida and Florida State is way different than scheduling Oklahoma State all right but Tulsa's also coming off they had a a one and one with Oklahoma. Are we ready to not say to Oklahoma's on the same level as the three Florida schools? Because I'm willing to argue they are better, and not just recently either. We're talking, you know, Oklahoma's been a powerhouse for a long time too. They had a one for one with Tulsa. Yes, they did. Damn, Tulsa's got to get more recognition, man. They're just they just get these good schools. Yeah. Well, and it didn't, well, so Houston is playing Oklahoma this year at Norman, but the three years ago they played, technically it was in Houston, but it was a neutral site. But I don't know, was that a one-for-one one or was that a two-for-one? I don't know. Here's the thing. Tulsa, I think, kind of will go under the radar because they, they're not having the success that UCF has. And it probably doesn't help that UCF has this vocal... AD that's going to say we don't accept anything blah 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 like that kind of turns some people off especially the people that you're trying to schedule with so maybe UCF got a I don't know they got who knows if you're Oklahoma though and you're and Tulsa says hey we want a one for one are you going to are you going to really worry about it is Tulsa ever going to be Oklahoma in the next 50 years well, that's really what it is. You know, Tulsa, or excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they they put these on these games on their schedule thinking, all right, this should be a game that it's against the Power Six just because we're, we're doing our best to try and promote that. So this also helps Oklahoma State's strength of schedule if we come down, you know, say in these what is it, 2024 to 2031, they have somehow get a championship-caliber team that this is able to push them into the playoffs, potentially. You know, Tulsa maybe helps them out just because of the conference. But then I think you need UCF to do their part, too, like you mentioned, and get some guys on their schedule. Because it sounds like, as of right now, it's just USF and Houston that are doing their part to play some tougher teams. I just, I, yeah, I, don't, I just don't get why... UCF decides we're not going to take it because we deserve a one for one. Like, wh- why? Who cares? You have a chance to go beat up. Isn't it like the ultimate goal should be we're better than Florida? Not, oh, we want equal rights as Florida. No, just why don't you just take a two for one, kick the crap out of them three times, and prove, hey, now we'll take one for ones because we're better than you and we run the show. 
That's see, that's the way I think that's the way to do it too. Because you now, take the two for ones like and then go in. And, and now you're if you can go into swamp, at least even if you win one of those games, in in the swamp, you know what I mean? Like right. why not take that? Yeah. Because that's going to be such a boost for you, you know, in recruiting, and I mean just around the state in general, it'll boost. The, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more at this point that the the program can get any higher unless they go another undefeated season. But the the hype that is around UCF, it eventually is gonna, you know, it's gonna plateau. I, I honestly, it probably already did after this past year. Eventually, it's got to go down. They're not going to win 11, 12 games every year. So why not have those two for ones where you can play either Florida or you know USF, whoever, or excuse me, Miami, any of those teams, and then yeah, you might get to be eight and four one season, eight and five once in playoffs or postseason comes around, but you also have a win over one of the other Florida programs there too. Because like I said, eventually the ten win seasons and just completely dominating this conference, it, it will end at some point. So you got to look to the the further picture of what's the way to put us back on the map when we are not winning ten games every year. Right, and it, it, it yeah, you're just kind of. I think this window, like you said, I agree, is it's closing, and I personally think that it's closing faster than many around that program realize you you don't have Mackenzie Milton not that we're going to make this a UCF preview but it's the the rate of success is not going to continue at the at the rate that it's been going that's just like how every program seems to be working you know you're eventually you're going to have a down year or two or more and right now well here let me ask you this who has UCF scheduled in the last two years since they've gone on this run? Upcoming? I don't like, think we... No, like, they future years. You mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the futures since they've been clamoring for these big names? I don't or think not really even anybody. Since they went 13-0 and 12-1, and like, not even when they were clamoring for that. Just, like, have they scheduled anybody? I don't know. I am looking. Hold on. Because you can look up the futures future opponents but i i don't remember you know i feel like if there was like a, a bigger name that we've heard since all this started we would remember it and i don't remember one at all right and that's that's terrible whoever's in charge of doing that like you have to get something out of this otherwise it's a waste i mean it's no. good you get exposure for your school but at some point like you got to realize that Okay, no one's gonna schedule us for a one of one for one, so we gotta take this whatever we can get. All right, I got it for you right here, yeah, and it's it. and it's not that impressive whatsoever. All right, so 2019, it's uh, Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic, Stanford, Pitt. These are I'm just basically these are out of conference schedules because that's all we got. Do, no, I'm saying do like because they probably haven't ske- they didn't they scheduled next year, the year after that, and the year after that like years ago. Who are they scheduled? Who have they got on their schedule? Like twenty twenty three or something. Give me, I'm getting there. That's you what I'm trying to get. There, man, come on. Twenty twenty. All right. They'll have a home game against North Carolina and a and a game on the road against Georgia Tech. Twenty twenty one. They'll be at Louisville. Twenty twenty two. They'll have Louisville and Georgia Tech at home. Twenty twenty four. They'll be on the road against North Carolina. 
2025, they'll be at home against North Carolina. That's oh it. Gosh. That's all they've got. They've got well, Louisville, Georgia Tech, North Carolina. That wow. is their future opponents over the next, what is it, uh, five years, I guess. So they basically never, they haven't scheduled anybody new. Uh, obviously, no. I would just put it that way. No. That's stupid. Now, do we take anything to the fact that they're playing a- ACC teams? At least they're trying to play what's slowly becoming one of the, you know, I mean, Clemson's trying to make it the second best conference in the country. I, well, here's the thing. When they scheduled North Carolina, North Carolina was a seven or eight win team because they pri- what they probably scheduled them. Well, they started to play between... them this past year, right? Did we not? Haven't we not seen them play each other now for a couple of years? No, uh, I or think they that... were they were supposed to play Pitt? this year in that hurricane. No, because they played thirteen games. It was two years ago then. They were supposed to play North Carolina, but that hurt. There was a hurricane that canceled the game. That's what it was. But like my point, I guess my point is, you're scheduling North Carolina, which that's good. Good, thanks. Like go go ahead and schedule them. That's fine. But when you schedule, and that looks them, to be like it was a two game home and home at least. Yeah, but when you schedule it, I mean, maybe they schedule them in 2015 when North Carolina went 11 and three. But almost every other year, North Carolina was a seven or eight win team in the ACC, which that's that's good. But it's not it's not these big schools, and now we're seeing that they haven't scheduled anybody anybody else. So, what like what did what did you do with your twenty five wins? Who did you schedule? North Carolina and Louisville. That's it. Now, okay, so, so let's bring it back to um, Tulsa because they have a pretty no. Extensive... It's a UCF preview now. No, but because. You know, Tulsa has a pretty extensive list of who they're playing over the next couple of years. All right, not going through this year, but next year they have Toledo, they have Oklahoma State again, and then they have Arkansas State. I mean, granted, you know, they are still a a group of five team, but they're one of the better group of five teams. Then after that, the following year, you got once again Oklahoma State. Then you got Ohio State. So, you know, Tulsa's managing to get Quality awesome opponents. What's up? Yeah. All right. Maybe go the year after that. It's uh, they have Wyoming and Northern Illinois, but then Ole Miss. The year after that, they got Washington. Year after that, that's that's when they start the 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 deal with Oklahoma State all over again. So Oklahoma State obviously seems to be a, a common team that are going to play for a long, long, long time. But even when there's that window where they're not in there. There's Washington, there's Ohio State, and Ole Miss. Right. Well, and so that's I would take that. Well, I doubt Tulsa would is going to win many of those games, but why can Tulsa do that and UCF can't? They schedule Louisville and North Carolina. I just don't. I don't. It get kind why of blows my a, mind that Tulsa has so many games already, like literally, and with vast different teams and then it's all the same teams well whatever that just kind of blows my mind a little bit Tulsa's all over the place with opponents and then UCF is literally the same three teams well and the other thing is Tulsa's schedule it has a game scheduled through 2031 
and UCF's only through 2025, which mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, is like UCF still needs two more non-conference games for 20. They've got a lot of games to fill out their schedule right. these next couple of years. Which I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I guess the other thing is it comes down to, like, is Tulsa hurting for money more than UCF is? I would assume UCF doesn't need the cash to play these teams now. I think that might be part of the difference. Tulsa's no. just looking for a cash out as opposed right. to and UCF, UCF can really wait because they can afford to do that. Yeah, UCF really wants to play teams. Well, start playing teams. You're playing Georgia Tech, Louisville, and North Carolina. Although this year they're playing Stanford, good and Pitt again, so I don't know. Whatever. What yeah, game it's... are we on here? On the on the actual schedule that we were going through, Oklahoma State. That's what. So what? One and two. One and two. All right. I guess let's just go through this. Then it's <laughs> Wyoming. Wyoming, at home. So it is a home game, and Bill has a winning percentage of fifty three percent for that uh, for the Golden Hurricane in this game. But I mean that's not too encouraging. And then Wyoming is a team last year who's I mean. Let's, let's just put it this way. They were, they were kind of similar to Tulsa. They had a pretty solid defense, but they had their own quarterback issues. So who knows what you're going to get in that game? I'm not betting against Craig Bull, though. Do week you know after Craig that. Bull is? I'm just, just going to go shoot right into the next week. <laughs> just shooting right into the next week. Wait, so they win? are they winning that game? Are you saying they win or they lose? I don't, I'm, I'm saying they. we keep continuing because I don't have a – I don't know. They lose. They're gonna they lose. lose. They're probably do lose. I feel bad. I, I, we go through this. I, I only see two, three wins, maybe. Yeah. It's um, gonna be rough. Um, at SMU, again, I, I don't. I mean, they obviously, like we said earlier, they ruined SMU's season last year. So I think that's gonna also put a little bit of a, a bad taste in SMU's mouth coming in this one. SMU's and, your team too. Yep. SMU, I think, is... Can't jump off that bandwagon now. I'm not allowed to. You're driving that thing. All on the choo-choo train. All on the the Pony Express. Yeah, I'll I'll be watching from afar. All right, then next week is a home game against Navy, who, in my eyes, that's probably their second easiest game. But again... No game is ever easy against Navies, so it's really hard to just be like, hey, that's a win for them. Well, and didn't you say that you said Tulsa struggled against the run last year, and what is Navy going to do? They're not passing the ball. So. Exactly. They're going to pound it down their throats. Yeah. So uh, that's that's another one there. I mean, next week uh, when we get into our you know, we'll talk about Navy all next week. But, uh, I mean, we know they ain't passing the ball whatsoever. they got to figure out who their quarterback is and things like that. But – they will still move the ball on the ground against Tulsa. Week after that, they go on the road at Cincinnati. Loss. Uh, I don't. I, you know. What I mean. I think since Cincinnati is the team to watch in the conference this year, they could be the surprise. I don't want to say surprise, just because their schedule is so rough. But well, they could be the ones. It's all. They, the they could be. They could still win the conference. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Because their out of conference schedule is is daunting. All right, so then Tulsa's at home against Memphis the following week. God, these games are rough. These That's five I mean. games. Yeah, I mean, it's just a rough stretch right there. And then, Okay, so then, again, maybe 
another easier, for lack of a better word, game in the conference is on the road, though, against Tulane. And Tulane, you know, we'll get in them in a couple weeks, but they're, they're going to be one of the hardest teams to figure out coming into the season because I don't know how much room there is for growth, but at the same time, we saw some encouraging things at the end of the season as well. Yeah, so, it's tough when you're, one of your best chances of winning a football game is on the road. Yes, exactly. I guess the team that is hard to fig- is going to be really hard to figure out. With, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see how they start the season. Right. Well, Tulane's offense is going to be good this year. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I'm going to be pretty solid on their offense this year. I agree so, with that. Yeah, it's – man. <laughs> then you get – This isn't fun, by the way. This no, is it's rough. Not. This this one is rough. I think of all the ones, like you said, this is going to be the hardest one. Because even when we get to that Houston schedule, we could see things, maybe some upsets. We don't see upsets with Tulsa. Uh, right, so the following week, it's then at home against UCF. Yeah. So, Next. That, yeah. So then they get a bye week. So I guess that technically would give them two weeks to prepare for a home game against Houston. And they always give Houston trouble. Which they do. I will. I will agree with that. And so the one thing I did, I did mark down here, which I thought was a little bit intriguing. I wanted to ask you about it. Is I was very, very surprised by a forty-one percent winning percentage that Bill is giving Tulsa to beat Houston in this game. I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that when you consider that uh, SMU. Is you know just flirting right around the same number there, so I was I was actually a little bit surprised because I know how big you and I are on Houston this year, and I don't think that Tulsa is the team that we're worried about them in the West giving them a hiccup. Well, here's okay. Here's the thing, I'm being super optimistic with Houston, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they were a six and six team just because their schedule is so tough, but. If you're looking at Tulsa and Houston, the last three years have been anything but easy for Houston. So last year, Houston won 41-26, to but they needed 24 fourth-quarter points to win that game. The year before that, Tulsa destroyed Houston 45-17. to And then yeah, the year that before that, which is... Yeah, and the year before that, which is when Houston was... That was the year that Houston was ranked in the top 10. Houston barely won 38-31, and they needed a goal line stand. Like, they literally stopped Tulsa at, like, the one-inch line at the end of the game to win. So I don't know what it is about Tulsa and Houston, but Tulsa just, like, has something figured out where they just always give Houston trouble. So I'm I'm not surprised that that number is what it is. Just because of the history, that especially recent history, and maybe with with Dana taking over, it's a different. It's going to be a lot different, but I I don't know. I can't say that for sure with how things have gone in the past. Yeah, that that one just really caught my eye when I was going through. I was like, mm, that's a number that kind of shocks me, considering what you and I think about the Cougs heading in this year. Right, and then. You know, to close out the season for Tulsa, it's on the road against ECU, and we're probably going to flip what we said last week. We probably said this was a win for ECU last week, but um, 
Yeah, I, even this game is a game in Tulsa. I'm not really. I mean, win percentage that Bill has for them is six, you know, sixty three percent, and again, that's the one that kind of shocked me a little bit because. I'm expecting some improvement from ECU. I think they're, I think they're going to be a better team than Tulsa. I'm willing to say that. Well, I think okay. Again, we keep saying as the as the schedule comes into play here, where ECU's because I had the you had them at like four and seven at this point, and I had them at like five and six or something or whatever. It was it was one of those if ECU is that close to a bowl game. With how they play, because I'm they play an easy, easier schedule. I'm guessing they're going to be a little bit more motivated to get to a bowl game. Whereas I don't even know how many wins I have for Tulsa right now, but it's not five. No, oh, it's not even close. So what's what's stopping Tulsa from mailing it in early? Which they at that point Montgomery's probably gone if they're not at five wins. That's uh, a topic I'm sure we'll talk about in the middle of the season, just based on how rough the schedule is. Right, it's one but, thing you have to watch. It's probably the biggest thing you have to watch besides the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. But then you know, to maybe we can also say that maybe Tulsa does the same thing they did last year and they knock out somebody with that last game of the year too. That's true, but who knows? It's yeah. tough because they had so many close wins last year, which typically the means schedule. they do better the year after. But Yeah, but it's hard to do better with a schedule like this. I mean, this is just brutal. Like games games that they have a, a good chance of winning, there's only three. And then after that, it's they're on the wrong side of a coin flip for the most part. So. Yeah, they, re- they really got – I mean e- – Okay, let me ask you this question. Of the three that are going to come into Tulsa, the big three, I guess we should call them, in the conference, Memphis, UCF, Houston, is Houston the one that you see the most likely to get upset? Probably, yeah. Just because of the past, and Houston's defense is probably not going to be great. They might be a little better, but they're still not going to be great. I do think that it helps that they will also have that bye week in there to help them out for that game too. Gives them an extra week to prepare against Houston. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I, it's that's just a brutal second half. Because even though so they it's at Cincinnati, Memphis, even though they have Tulane and ECU in there, it might it might not matter. Because you're just getting you know, hypothetically, you're getting destroyed at Cincinnati. Memphis is scoring 100 points on you the next week. Tulane might torch you. And then UCF scores another 100 points on you. And then you have to finish the season. Maybe it's good that they get a bye week and then they can finish with Houston to ECU to kind of break things up. But I don't know. If they're, well, let's see. They're probably going to be 1-3 and three after non-conference play. They're gonna be two and four heading into the second half of the season. May, that's a maybe too. Navy's not a given either because you and I just talked about how bad their run defense was. So who knows? I mean, I, okay. So I wrote down worst case scenario. I one and eleven. 
and that is totally possible. But I That's even think sad. they're, yeah. But I think they're even their best case scenario is a repeat of last year. I think it's just another three and nine year. Like I, I don't, and that is really being generous. I, I'm being That's generous. Your best case scenario. I think so. Okay, think... San Jose State, maybe Wyoming. They could be Wyoming. maybe Navy, maybe ECU. I just don't see any other ones. Like I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't see them going into SMU. I know I'm, I'm driving or driving that train there, but I just, I think offensively they're just going to be way too much for for Tulsa, Cincinnati. There's no way. Even that game against Tulane. I mean, again, maybe they pull that off, but I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't see a four-win team just I based on the schedule. I think their best, their best, best case scenario is five wins, and at that point, we're still having the conversation about should Philip Montgomery be around? Yeah, and that's like that's stretching it because you, that's yes. saying, oh, we're gonna get killed by Michigan State, beat San Jose State, get killed by Oklahoma State, and then beat. Wyoming, and then you got to find three wins in a brutal final eight games. Yeah, I just uh, either way, we're I feel like we're still talking about a coach getting fired, or if he's not already fired, like ah, uh, yeah, it's the schedule, man. I think yeah. this is a better I'm, team, but the the record's not going to reflect that. The, I agree with that. I do agree with that. And then even if Montgomery somehow survives this year, unless we see some significant improvement from the quarterback play this year, I feel like we're going to have the same conversation all over again next year. Should we just like copy this podcast and play it next year? If that's We might as well. We might as well just because, I mean, we talked about the schedule to have next year. It's very much prettier. Here's our 2020 Tulsa Preseason preview. Now go listen to the 2019 preview, and that'll be your 2020 preview. It's it's sad to say, but then at the same time, we probably could have said the same thing last year coming into this year. You know what I mean? Like I could have done whatever we said last year. We could almost say the same about this year. That's true. Except for the schedule being way more tougher. Yeah. Oof, good God. But all right, I guess this, let's let's stop beating up on this poor Golden Hurricane team. It's going to be a rough, rough season if you're a Tulsa fan. Mm-hmm. So, like I said a little bit earlier, we will get to Navy next week, the mids from not too far away from Minneapolis. And we will dive into what is what I think could be even worse season for them next year. What do you think about that? I without talking too much about that team, but I think Navy's in for a rough, rough year. I will. I wouldn't argue too hard against you. Yeah. So yeah, that will be the topic of discussion all of next week. Um, but if you're not, make sure you are following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook, Twitter. Leave us those comments. Reviews tell us just how we are the best over and over again. We love to pat ourselves on the back. Even if you don't tell us, we're going to do it anyways. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Serp. Joe is at Joe Broback. And until next week, three wins is the max. I'm sorry, I had just three. Three is the magic number or the unlucky number if you're Philip.